the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. Each episode, we welcome musicians, actors, comedians, authors, visual artists, filmmakers, anyone who creates art to talk about how and why we make stuff. This is episode 156, and our guest is Dave Wilson. Dave is the principal songwriter for North Carolina's Chatham County Line, whose outstanding 10th studio album, Hayo, will be released on January 26th, 2024. The album was produced by Rachel Moore, and it sees the band taking a huge sonic leap that lands with grace. As you will hear, I've been a big fan of Chatham County Line for many years, and this was an honor. Everyone, my conversation with Dave Wilson. Thanks, Jason. Man, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being so flexible, too. No problem. Hope your uh, family's doing all right. I appreciate you. Yeah, um, they're better. It's just my dad's in his 80s, and uh, yeah. that's how it goes. So, um, But, uh, yeah, everything's better. I got a chance to really spend some time with my mom and just, like, be there, you know, which is uh, a gift. I'm grateful that I could do that. So Yeah, ma'am. Um, they're doing better, but. Man, I'm excited to talk to you. I um I was thinking about I was trying to figure out when I first got into Chatham County Line. And man, I I think it was Swanee, Spirit of the Swanee Music Park. Um oh. I've photographed y'all a few times and um I and, thought your uh, name was familiar, yeah. Yeah. And I'm I've I've written not necessarily like specifically about you, but like you've been included in my recaps of of Swanee just because I'm always impressed by your performances. And I was trying to think about when it was, but it was probably like, I've probably been into your music 10, 11 yeah. years, something like that, you know, a while. And then I was thinking back to another time, like, um, I swear y'all played Underbelly in Jacksonville, Florida. 
It was a rock uh, <laughs> rock club downtown. And yeah. this, this is probably like 2013, something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. You know? Yeah, we did that. And it was a killer show, man. And you jumped off stage and everybody formed a circle around oh, you. Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. It was so um <laughs> just like so many memories. I was going back down memory lane and I just realized like how many memories I have of your shows. Rocking. And yeah, really fun, man. I mean, your the live show is just incredible. And so then as I listen to the new record, man, I am so excited for folks to dig into the new record because it is such a it has all the hallmarks of like what I've been used to from your live show and from your previous records, but it it is a it's a di- it feels like it is an evolution of the best kind. And and I mean that with all due Thanks, respect man. to everything that y'all have done. It's an absolutely fantastic record and I'm really excited for folks to hear it. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're stoked about this one. I, I there's no no other way to put it, you know. We we worked our asses off on it. It came after a period of upheaval if you will for the band you know uh our bandologist retired he's now a in-demand booking agent um in colorado and all around the parts and uh man we retooled we decided we wanted to travel down a different path instead of just recreating the magic we had before we wanted Mm -hmm. some new magic and so started working with a drummer and uh plugged every damn thing in that we could and uh, finally after did that for six months then finally figured out a way that i could cover the bass on guitar and greg could play pedal steel so man it's a whole new show well i think it's interesting for folks who a lot of folks listening to this will know your music but a lot of folks won't and so i think it's interesting to kind of talk a little bit about the history of the band and just sort of like the the shows i've seen it's the three of you around a microphone you know i mean yeah totally it's uh and then this is this is not that (laughs) this is as you mentioned there's so many there's so much more going on but i want to go i'd like to go all the way back if we can um i you know i was listening to like still house earlier today and yeah and i was really i was really digging it and i was really into like to uh the records that i was listening to and i was thinking i was wondering just out of curiosity with you so for for folks who aren't familiar like this is we're talking about we're going back to the 90s now you know it's the 90s and and like what we used to call i think what we would used to call alt country right like back then Uh and I'm, were you like running around with Kenny Roby and like the Whiskey Town folks and all, all that? Was like was that a, the scene that you were kind of traveling in? We we kind of got there a little like on the tail end of the just the the high times of that scene. Um, but man, going to see Six String Drag at Sadlax and just crushingly good rock country rock show it was it was a magic time for that if you liked if you liked really any kind of music raleigh chapel hill the whole area was a hotbed man it's just really great i i find that it's so exciting to me to think about that time i romanticize it because i was like just i'm just a little too young yeah. to have like been into that you know i was still kind of <laughs> i was more into like outcast at the time and like hey Nothing you know, wrong with that. No, no, definitely nothing wrong with that. And I was just discovering classic rock. You know, I was just starting yeah. to get into like the Who and and Zeppelin and all this stuff um, at the time. So I kind of missed that because I wasn't cool enough as a teenager to like be into six string drag. But um, 
I just, I romanticized that period. And it just, I was wondering, like, I was curious whether you were like running around with all those guys doing, doing bills with, you know, like the drive-by truckers or whatever. Mm -hmm. No, but I definitely (laughs) caught the, um, the first, uh, drive-by truckers, the rock opera show. They did it at a restaurant in Raleigh. And I remember that night, just the three guitar onslaught just being i mean floored everybody had a pbr waving in the air it was just this well i didn't even know it was happening it was so crazy oh that's awesome man all right so those still house records i encourage people to go back and listen to because it's really good stuff it was a fun a little bit of discovery for me as i was preparing for this conversation Thanks, man. yeah for sure but then can you talk about deciding to go you know, quite the different direction, um, you know, at, and around the, like, I guess we're talking about late nineties now, 99 ish. Yeah. 99 yeah, ish. Uh, Greg, it was Greg first was playing with, uh, Tiff Merritt, a uh, country mm-hmm. songstress in uh, Raleigh area. And then I joined the band after the Bramble Rose album. We played gigs, we traveled, we toured. And, um, that kind of led to Zeke, hutchins being the drummer for still house for a minute the very early still house was just kind of like a bunch of drunks yelling at a wall but (laughs) um we got a little skilled after working with tiff for a while and playing gigs and um we just loved i I loved you know i I was in love with graham parsons i was in love with that whole scene Mm. all that great uh music i mean new riders of the purple sage was like my bible for at, Mm. at some moment in time um, and we were really into that, uh, and, and just recreating that kind of music, but I was writing and I had bought a mandolin and I started to write songs on the Mando and we would have these house parties as still house. And this is where it all began as Chandler came over, uh, to a house party just randomly. I think he, he might've even still been in high school at this point. Uh, or right after, maybe right after high school. And um, we, we set up in the den and we just, we rocked all night. It's kind of our thing. And um, Chandler went back and told his buddy, John Tier, and somehow we crossed paths. And I was like, well, I'm writing all this kind of country music on my mandolin and let's get together and jam. And um, Greg lived in that house at that point. And we had a stand up bass that just lived at the house and he would pick it up and play with us in the very very early days and we were just goofing you know we had i had a book called 150 bluegrass songs and so we would open it up and we would just play them i mean how mountain girls can love uh, we we used to just destroy that song um it was uh, the early days or i mean it's just rose-colored glasses there yeah that sounds Uh, so romantic uh uh, who knows if i heard a tape of it i might be a little uh sweating a little bit but um no it was so much fun we kind of just cut our teeth you know we just learned that's how we learned i didn't grow up on bluegrass i had no idea what it was i didn't know bill monroe was until um you know almost through college uh, it, it was really the was into the dead and uh, found jerry garcia and i found old men the way and i was like what the hell is this this is amazing yeah and that old in the way record has been a bluegrass gateway for so many musicians and artists through the years it's a beautiful thing um so we played and we played a going away party for tiff's bramble rose tour 
Chris Stamey saw us and he was like, Oh, right on. I, I like this. Let's, let's make a record. And so we made a record and just started making records. Uh, I think Tiff sang on that first record. Um, and then it came to a point where we got a little too busy and Greg and I had to step back from Tiff's band. Um, and which was great timing because she was doing kind of a more of a rock soul review kind of thing. Um, and she had Brad Rice playing guitar with her for a, a good year and, uh, Danny on, on Hammond, Oregon. It was a rocking show. Wow. That was good. That was good times. But CCL just, just kept motivating and, you know, all of a sudden we're selling out big venues in Raleigh and we're young and stupid. And we built a box that would fit on top of a Honda station wagon that the base would fit in. And we drove to Colorado and started playing little gigs around there. And people really responded to what we were doing. And I, it was really the fourth album we made that, that really solidified what our thing was. You know, we, that's when I was, uh, I opened up my, um, my collection of original tunes and was like, well, let's just do these rock songs that I'd written for Stillhouse, you know, the uh, Birmingham jail and chip mm -hmm. of a star were two that we really <laughs> dug into. And, and as soon as that banjo popped on chip, it was like, Oh, this totally works. And this is true. Finally, you're true to yourself. At the beginning, we were just trying to be the Del McCurry band, Junior, mm. and uh, and uh, I mean, uh, yeah, just a small goal, small yeah, goal, right? Small yeah. aspirations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are not Nashville Cats, <laughs> but that single mic stuck around for a long damn time. I mean, jeez, uh, and uh, I don't know what. I'm not, I might have gone past the question I've given. Oh, this is great. No, no, it's great. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Um, and I, I think some you 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 got in the weeds in the best way. Um, some of the the context for folks old and in the way a lot of folks will know, but that's Jerry Garcia, um, from the Grateful Dead of course fame, and yeah. then uh, Peter Rowan from um, Bill Monroe's Bluegrass Boys and Vassar Clements and uh, Dave Grisman was it? Dave Grisman, yep. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just legends in bluegrass music yeah. and well, in music in general, I mean, Jerry yeah. being Jerry, but, um, really, really cool stuff. I actually had a chance to, this has been years, but Peter Rowan was going to be like the first episode of this show. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> and so the recording is just total dog uh, shit and I just had to scrap it, but he was like talking about. It's talking about the tree frogs at Swanee and like all this mythical kind of stuff, you know? That is one mythical dude. He's it's I, it's a special thing to be in his presence. Yeah, I, and I love the fact um, we actually share a booking agent with Peter, and we see him on the road sometimes. Nice. And like he is, I think his kids went off to college or something. He became an empty nester and was just he hit the road hard. It's like he's back. He's everywhere, and that's such a beautiful thing. I mean, I saw him. I think it was at Swanee a few years ago. Just electric guitar. Peter and he basically kind of did a blues set it was really cool and that dude he he, he has no definition he, he's just he's just cool he's got a lot of soul
Yeah. I mean, plays, plays with all kinds of bands and like, it's yeah. just wild to me. He's such a piece of musical history. I mean, he's like this, mm -hmm. he's this pillar of musical of American musical history. That's just walking among us, you know, yeah. just sort of, it's, it really is wild when I see him and get to see him live I, every time I never take it for granted. It's just really incredible. Yeah. So the fourth record, that's like, is it 2008? Oh uh, it... yeah. That's our way. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So 2008, the fourth record. So you've been at it for a while by that point and you're, but yeah. and now you're kind of settling into your sound. And, and is there like a moment where you kind of realize that you kind of go, Oh, this is us. Or, this is our identity. Or was that sort of just, you woke up and went, Oh, okay. We're here. Like, was there any sort of yeah. flashpoint or anything? I but to be honest, it really was. Um, we were at Chris Stamey's little studio in, in his backyard doing demo work for the fourth album. And I had sent Chip to the guys to learn. And so we're like, you know, he's like, because it was, it was Chris's idea. I had sent Chris a bunch of just demos of me jamming in the basement with Zeke and our buddy Jay Brown. And he was like, oh, what about this song? Let's do this song. And so I sent it to the guys. They learned it. And I swear we started it. And the first time Chandler played that banjo riff, it, it's like the, that's the moment that everything changed. Mm. It, it, we realized we could be true to ourselves and true to our inspiration and not, you know, bow down to some sort of bluegrass playbook or whatever it is that, that was kind of prevalent. It, it, I felt like in the early O's where you, you kind of felt beholden to perform in a certain way or mm. a certain style. Um, but all those, all those barriers are gone now. It, it, it's a, you can do whatever you want as long as you entertain people and you get them smiling or laughing or crying or whatever it is. It, it, it's all, it's all fair game. Well, yeah, Dave, you're capable of making folks do all those things. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, so where was that pressure coming from? Was that like in the scene? Was that journalists? I, I, I almost think it was, in, it was like in our heads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I re it, it came from stories like uh, there was an early IBMA that we played and the Avett brothers were there and, and somebody like said something to him on the elevator really rudely about how they had played drums and, or, you know, they were playing like kick drum and pie out with their feet in their show. Yeah. And Fuck yeah, they were, it's awesome. Yeah. As, <laughs> and their, their thing is killer, but yeah. you know, just the fact that someone would feel like they could diss somebody that blatantly, like, what are you doing here? This is IBM. Hey, you shouldn't be here. And it's like, yeah, yeah. no, it, it, get over yourself, buddy. It, it, it's, it, it's a wide world of bluegrass yeah. yeah oh that's great yeah but that i now i get it now i understand what you're saying because i mean i certainly as a fan of bands like the avits i certainly heard that kind of chatter just among other fans right yeah, yeah. people talking about those kind of things and i'm a huge bluegrass fan and so I, I definitely get that and i can only imagine if you're in the world it must have been a relief when you got to that place with that fourth record and went like yeah. nah we can do whatever we want to do and what and what you do is so you right there's such yeah. an essence to the work that y'all do it sounds just like you and that's it mm -hmm. um and even with this new record where it is a departure sonically it's still that very you style it's it sounds yeah. different but it's it's definitely you and singular to you which is really exciting place to be 
Yeah. I mean, we've, we feel real comfortable in our skin right now. And I felt writing these songs, I felt real comfortable as a writer and I knew what we could do. I knew we had made the, we had made the shift. We had played a couple of years with drums. I mean, this is pandemic time. So almost every show is live streamed and it's recorded and it's, there's video. So there was a lot of time to look back at what you were doing, you mm. know, Hey, that we just played this gig. Let's check it out. Oh, okay. We could do this a little better. We could do this a little better. So really, you know, we tried to make a little lemonade out of the whole situation and really hone our craft and hone what we could do the use of, I mean, we are using effects, uh, Greg's playing steel. I mean, it's, there's just no limit to what we're, the door is open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I'm letting Donna Jean through it, but you know, the door is open for almost anything. Oh, that's so cool. I love that place. I love that feeling. So when you're some of these are, are these, you're talking about writing these songs, like was the sound is so is, is, uh, has evolved. Is it, is the process of writing different and what does the writing process look like for you? I mean, I think for me, the process of writing has just changed with age. I mean, I feel like the younger man in me, like tip of a star was written, just the melody went in my head and I sat down and wrote it and it was over. Um, at the, at my age now, I, I kind of look at it like a, almost like a farming exercise all through the years uh you come up with an idea you write it down you record it Uh, my favorite example is jackson brown used to call his answering machine back in the day because that's the only way he could make a record of when he had an idea on the road maybe a melody he would call home get get that answering machine message and record the idea and so that's kind of what i do now every time a melody pops in or chord structure or something it gets recorded words get written down and then when we were going we were going on one of our kind of jam sabbaticals uh one time um and i sat down for a week and i went through all the detritus i went through everything went through all the ideas all the lyrics i just went through everything and put these uh, i think it was maybe 12 or so songs together out of all those bits and baubles knowing what we could do you know knowing the sounds we could make and knowing what we could push and what the strengths were and these are the these are the songs that ended up on the record oh my gosh i love that i love everything that you just said it's it's so great that you're continuing to find after all these years of doing this and to continuing to find new ways to go at it and new sounds and to be so open to those new sounds the record is absolutely stunning man i mean it's one of those where you know I, I talk about this fairly often on the show, but like a lot of times I'll you know I'll I'll get a record and I'll listen to it. I always give it one good listen, right? Especially if it's mm-hmm. specifically you know somebody's interested in it for the marinade. I, I specific I give it one good listen, yeah. and then if it doesn't grab me, I put it away, and then I come back to it. I give it another yeah. good listen, right? Unless I just don't like it for some reason, but. <laughs> that's rare. You know, usually people know what I like. And so they send me what I like. Um, but this one, dude, I was just like, Oh my goodness. Cause I've been such a fan of yours for so long. And I yeah. think it's, I think it's so exciting to have a band you've been into for a really long time. I'm, I'm not someone who just wants the same thing you've been doing. I'm not someone yeah. who wants the same record that I've already heard. I've already heard it. I've, and I've mm. seen it live and it's great. 
but I'm really excited that this is such a different direction um, and that it came out so beautifully. Um, I'm interested though in like, you mentioned something earlier and we kind of brushed past it, which was that the band had a period of turmoil. Can you talk a little bit about like what was going on and sort of how you got through that? Um, well, really, the, I'm just referring to when Chandler Chandler retires and we, you know, the other three guys, we get together. We knew we w didn't want to stop. We knew we wanted to keep playing, keep touring. We built up. But this is what our lives were. You know, it's like Bob Dylan will never get off the road because that's what the dude's life is. It's his, it was what keeps him alive. Yeah. Um, you know, we worked with Judy Collins. She does. She does like 160 shows a year and she's in her 80s. Amazing. And, you know, we're like, we get tired after, you know, we're like, oh, let's do maybe 70 shows this year. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's you know, having families and stuff. Yeah. But um, we um, we really just uh, we kind of knew we wanted to go in a different direction. The Stillhouse thing was there, uh, you know, we we, every December we play holiday shows that had drums and she would play steel and keys and have an electric bass player. And so we had this side already and we really wanted to make music that was akin to the music we listen to on the road when we're driving around in the band. You know, mm -hmm. we we'll spend a little time listening to Earl Scruggs or something, but we don't, you know, we do it a little bit. But most of the time, man, we're listening to modern music. We're checking out what's going on. You know, it's a it's a modern world. I love listening to fresh artists. I love listening to mu new music because, you know, that's that's part of the the thing that I'm asking of people. I, I'm a, I'm alive. You know, the Led Zeppelin doesn't record anymore. You can listen to them; they're great, but mm -hmm. you're not supporting live arts and you're not supporting something that is someone of your generation that's that's giving themselves to art and so i just i, I love that idea of keeping it alive and and you know buying buying records that are new supporting it because it's it's really cool what people are doing in music and there is so much freaking good music going out coming out right now i i just I, every time i turn on the radio I, i'm floored by, by tracks i hear i'm like oh my god what what is this i mean people are putting together such disparate styles and it's just the world is kind of your oyster um but to get back to your question so you know we looked at the first thing we thought of is like let's just get a drummer you know, let's replace a one single head banjo with a five headed banjo. Mm -hmm. um, and because we've always loved that, it, it would allow us to stretch out a little more. Um, it, we really didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we had done some of our songs that way in the holiday shows, but we didn't know if it was going to be good, if people would respond to it, what if we would lose our shtick, which is either the mm -hmm. single microphone ballet. Um, and really it took going out there and playing gigs. And I remember playing, uh, we played this place, um, the Ram cat in Winston Salem and the place went bonkers. And I mean, we went back and they were calling for an encore. And I looked at Greg, I was like, 
I've never had this much fun in my entire life. Uh, you know, it was like, this is working all this hard work. Everything was, was firing on all cylinders. The sound was killer, you know, and that's, that was all we needed. We were just guns ablaze. I'm like, okay, this works. You know, I can play Stratocaster, right? You know, Greg can play steel. He also just can destroy the stand up. It, it's, it's something that can just keep, keep steamrolling ahead. Man, that's so exciting. Gosh, that's so you're speaking my language earlier too when you were talking <laughs> about like the new music thing. I'm obsessed with I mean, it's part of the show isn't really about music per se, but yeah. I mean, let's be real. I have artists, I introduce the world to artists. Like that's part of the mission of this whole thing is to introduce uh people to artists of all kinds. And it tends to be musicians because I'm so obsessed. And I'm constantly like, play me your next thing. Play me your next yeah. thing. If my friends are playing out. They ask if I have a request. I'm like, are you working on anything? Give me the new thing. You know, like, do you have anything that's ready for public consumption that I haven't heard? I mean, I yeah, know yeah. all your other stuff. I love it, but give me the new thing. Give me the new thing. And I'm a big believer in what you said earlier about just how much great music there is out there and how many great records are being made and how exciting it is to to be a part of that world and to continue to consume new things and, and learn from that. And, and it, it informs all areas of my creativity. You know, I, I sometimes talk to artists who say, uh, especially artists who make sort of country or folk leaning stuff, how they they'll say they, many of them will say that they just listen to like old blues records. Like yeah. that's what they listen to. And I understand that and I appreciate it. But that's not how I consume it. I, I mm. consume it more like what you're talking about, where I want to go. I want to go support somebody new, and I want to hear something new. And I totally agree with you, man. I'm curious about that. Like we usually do this at the end, but I'm this might lead to some really good discussions. Like, what are those things that y'all are listening to on the road? Like, who has you fired up? Um, I and there's there's a lot of records I did. That last Sarah DeRose record kind of blew my mind. I, you know, she's powerhouse. I know she's got it in her, but just the writing kind of went next level and the playing, the production, it, it really floored me. I remember listening to that one in the van and being like, dude, this is, this is great. Mm -hmm. And there were bands around us, um, local bands like Mipso or his golden messenger, these people. And they were mm -hmm. making, they were making their best, like their best material was coming out and, that was part of the inspiration for this record It is, you know, I, I, I want to do our best. Let's do our best work mm. now because the, why not? You know, the time is, the time is here. We got the, the avenues wide open for us. We, we end up meeting this incredible uh, producer and engineer and Rachel Moore. And we have a great rapport with her just hanging out and, can we bring her in and make this album sound like some of my favorite records? You know, can it sound like a Robert Mallison record? Can it, mm. can it sound like a T-Bone production? And mm. because those are the records I, I listen to T-Bone stuff all the time because it's, it, it, it's got something a little special. And I don't know if it's, you know, Dennis Crouch, Jay Bellarosa. I don't know. It's just the magic of everything, you know? Well, yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. Cause when you hear a T-Bone Burnett record, you know that it's a T-Bone Burnett record, even though he exactly. may not be doing the exact same thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what that essence is what I was talking about earlier with you and what mm -hmm. this record sounds like is that 
it's not necessarily it's not what what you were doing before but it is it's like that essence to it you captured that it makes a lot of sense to me that t-bone would be an inspiration like that yeah. makes a ton of sense to me given what i hear like the the quality of it the fact that it's such a there's such a uh an essence to it, you know, mm -hmm. that, that is true to what you have been doing, but also is not just recycling the same things over and over again. I mean, my Man. favorite, my favorite artists continually evolve. And if you're yeah. going to continue, if you're going to just be in this business for, for your life, you should be not afraid to evolve, always be looking back, but always be looking forward. Is there any, have you, have you, Cause it sounds like there's been these evolutions in your, in your creativity and your writing, but has, has it, have, has that particular mindset always been present? I, I think it's just because I feel like I have become a better person through the years. I mean, I, we recently, I mean, this is years, a few years back, cleaned out my parents' house and, and going through, I found some books of I had been sent to some funny summer camp school thing. And I was reading the stories I had written in the creative writing thing. And it was embarrassing how bad it's like I was, um, I didn't want to be told what to do. So my reaction was to just do a terrible job on the, on the, the homework assignment. And I, I I'm like, who is that? I don't even know who that guy is. And, you know, I flunked, I flunked out of college after three semesters and got a job and, and I realized, you know, your parents are, were, they're going to pay for college for you and pay for you to live. And it's a whole lot easier just to go back to school and, and get your ass together and get your work together. And, you know, that was a, a turning point for me in that way. And I feel like that's just been a constant in my life. Always be looking at what you did yesterday and figure out a way to improve upon it. So you did go back to school? Went back, you know, I went to summer school, got my grades, went back to school. Uh, I I discovered coffee. I, I wasn't a coffee drinker. This is kind of pre-coffee mania in the world. It's like pre-Starbucks everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I, I figured that I figured out that a big cup of coffee would just power me through a day of learning and homework. And that was, that was gold. What were you studying? Uh, I went to NC state university in Raleigh for, uh, English. Oh, okay. Uh, in English. So this is what your English degree can get you kids. <laughs> well, I'm an English teacher. I'm an English teacher. So there you go. <laughs> what, what grade do you teach with, with a political science degree? And this is what oh, a political uh -oh. science degree can get you. There guys. you go. <laughs> Uh, I teach middle school. I have sixth through eighth graders. I have them all oh, at the okay. same time, actually. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So it's I have the best job in the world, though. I'm telling you, like I got I got really lucky. Um, I have taught for 15 years and um, I just sort of found myself at this weird career crossroads where I was like, I really what I want to do is podcast and write all the time. And yeah. nobody wants to pay me to do that so, so far. How dare so, they? I know it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Like I thought I, this is my get rich quick scheme, but it's not working out that way yet. Um, but I do love teaching and yeah. I just sort of found myself at this weird crossroads and then this like wacky school in downtown Orlando where I live wanted to hire me. And I was like, I don't know guys, like mm -hmm. this doesn't seem like my, the right spot. So I just, I went, I, I went off and took off to 
cover a festival and like spent all my last dime and came back with my tail between my legs and was like, is that job still available? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, well, no, we, we don't have it anymore. And oh, I was wow. like, wow, shit. So I uh, kept applying to places and he calls me back like a week later. He goes, actually the guy that the guy just quit. So if you want oh, it, you wow. can have it. Yeah. And it's, it's a special place. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just really, really fortunate to have that jobs because it allows me to do this too. I'm done at three thirty every day, you know. Wow, like, going. yeah, and then I can just do this. I'm gonna go see my buddy play tonight. Got Monday off. I had a four right day on. week this week. Yeah, so maybe you do get that political science or English degree, kids. Yeah, maybe exactly. You, could, you know, maybe you could write a badass record like Dave Wilson and Chatham County Line <laughs> just did. Maybe you can be an English teacher with a cool gig. Yeah. You know what? Fuck that. Let's start romanticizing these things. Actually. Yeah. Um, but also stay in school. Everybody who is yeah. of college age listening to this, do that as well. <laughs> uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left and I want to honor your time and also, um, honor the fact that since we are a DIY operation, we don't pay for zoom. So, um, the, the time is, is ticking, but the song ride on time has been on the new record. It has been like, it just gets stuck in my head in the best way. Perfect. And yeah, and I'm curious about that particular tune and whether you sort of had a sense that it might be one of those kind of earworms. I, I have no idea, man. Um, Greg wrote a pedal steel instrumental. Um, okay. And so we would, when we were at our little jam retreats, we would do this instrumental and it, we played it through one time and, and, you know, in my head, I'm thinking this, it sounds like a song's going to start right after this. And mm -hmm. so I kind of just spit out what that was, which ended up turning into right on time. And the pedal steel instrumental is kind of what we, we, the solo section is kind of that, um, a little bit, but I, I, I don't know. I, I write music. I was really raised on, you know, classic rock radio and mm -hmm. Beatles tapes and, um, just great great pop music and you know rem is a, is a huge influence on me whether you can hear it or not but i, I and i wonder if that's why a lot of music being created today is very pop friendly is because that's what kids are exposed to from the cradle this just intense pop music yeah and so i've got a pop mindset whatever that is and maybe that lends itself to uh re repetitious tunes that get stuck in your, your noodle Oh man, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I so I'm I also curious. You got a really cool setup behind you, folks listening. There's just like shelves and shelves of records. Is that like what's in there? Is that classic rock mostly, or what? Are, what is um, up in there? I mean, I have every Doors and every Jethro Tull album, but that okay. was that was when I collected in college and records were two or three bucks. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's everything in there, man. I, yeah, there's a whole folk bluegrass section uh there's i've been trying to buy like i said uh, modern records yeah and um i've been digging on some some stuff lately uh went to see war on drugs um, <sighs> last summer and I, I was totally unexposed to that band but it's just blown away man it's a good night yeah no the, i've never seen them live but i am i am definitely a fan i've missed them a couple of times they come to orlando surprisingly and thankfully yeah. but i don't i haven't gotten to see them um but yeah that's been i i keep an inventory of my records i think i'm at 342 or something mm. now and like uh recently i've just been hemorrhaging cash buying records just like <laughs> 
just like stopping in every that record happens. store. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've gotten to the point where I just go to if I see them in an antique store and they're priced value priced, I might look, but otherwise, I can't do thirty five dollar records. Yeah, unless it's somebody, unless it's an artist, I really want to jump out there and support and keep them, keep them on the road. Right. Yeah, I can't either, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> Man, I'm really excited for folks to hear the record. And it's just, I'm really grateful for your time. Like I said, I've been a fan yeah, for man. a long time. And, and this has been an absolute delight. It's really nice to to, to connect with you. And I'm, I'm just fired up for, for folks to hear these tunes. And I'm so excited for you guys. And I hope to catch you out there on the road. Thanks, man. We're, uh, we're really excited to get this record out in people's ears and let them get into it. Awesome. Thanks for for having me on the marinade. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Have a wonderful night, Dave. Thank you so much. Thank you again. I will, man. You enjoy that four day weekend. Listen to Bandways four day weekend. (laughs) All right. Inspiration music. Dial dial it up right now. That sounds good. All right, right. man. See you, man. Dave Wilson, y'all. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank all of you for listening. ChathamCountyLine.com for all things Chatham County Line. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade. Follow us on all the things. I mean, we are on pretty much every social media platform that I'm aware of other than Facebook. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Go do that right now while you're listening, please. It makes a big difference and costs so little of your time and effort. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support The Marinade. If you can swing it, though, and you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. Just two bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. One of the best days of the month for me is recording our Patreon-exclusive show, What We're Getting Down On, with my dear friend, the brilliant and hilarious Peter Haraldson, about the art that has us fired up at the moment. Peter just came down from Minnesota just this last weekend to uh, hang out with me, and we went to see Joe Pug at Tuffy's Music Box. I got to interview Pug. I can't wait for y'all to hear that. Uh, Just such a great weekend. We had such a good time, and in that process, we recorded a live what we're getting down on. We were at Barley and Vine Beer Garden, my local bar, sitting on the patio, just chopping it up about the art that has us fired up right now, and so... I'm excited to release that as well. That's going to go on the main Marinade podcast feed so folks can get a chance to hear it, okay? So if you're not already a Patreon member, that'll give you a chance to kind of get a taste of of what we do over there. We also connect. So like, for instance, when I book a new guest, I announce it on Patreon, and then I also give our uh, our patrons a chance to ask questions of the guests if they want to. So, y'all, you can try a free trial of Patreon. See if you like it. No pressure. Try it for seven days. Set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel. And uh, keep going if you dig it. If you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, you can Venmo or PayPal us at The Marinade. All the money goes right back into the making of the show. Uh, I mean, festivals we cover, opportunities to, to travel, to interview musicians. That happens because of the generosity of our listeners. But above all, regardless of whether you can swing it or not, We're just grateful you listen and spread the word about the marinade. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.